0: IDHM Finance Podcast, where we talk about finance, business, and life in general. Our aim is to provide you the right knowledge, the right mindset, the right path in order to achieve financial freedom and make your lives a tad bit easier. Hi guys, this is the first episode. I know you are all as excited as I am. So let's start off this episode with a positive quote by Stephen Hawkins. However difficult life may seem, there's always something that you could do and succeed at it. Hi guys, so welcome. Our guest for today will be discussing about the real estate industry, how you can start investing in it, what methods give the best returns, what can you do if you have little capital, how a down market situation can affect your investment and more. So please welcome Yazan Ayash from Canada.
1: Hi, Yazan. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. What about yourself? I'm also
0: doing absolutely fine, Yazan. Thanks for asking. Well, can you introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Awesome, man. Uh, my name's Yazan. People call me Yaz. I live in Canada right now, but I'm from Dubai. And I'm looking to do real estate full-time. You can find me at, um, at Property Father. That's my Instagram page where I put out daily real estate advice for anyone that's tuning in.
0: That's pretty amazing. Yep. So Yazan, we'll be talking about the real estate industry as a whole. However, what's the current situation in this COVID pandemic in your country
1: and how are you dealing with it or passing your time? Well, to be honest, man, um, I'd say it's pretty much the same everywhere. Uh, People are just trying to stay safe, stay at home, do what's best for the community and, you know, just hopefully look for the brighter side at the end of the tunnel. Uh, What I'm doing to pass my time, that's actually really interesting because uh, realistically, I just say try to develop new skills, try to work on self-innovation, try to do as much as you can with the time that you're given because it's not only an opportunity to grow, but I kind of look at it as a test because if you come out of quarantine the same person as you walked into quarantine, then, then you never lack the time. You just lack the discipline. So, so realistically, take this uh, opportunity of quarantine with all this free time to just, you know, grow, develop some new skills and just self-innovate. That's
0: actually true. This is the right time to reflect on your skills and take advantage of the time you have in hand. Because eventually we'll be all getting back to our day jobs, schools or colleges. Exactly, man. So Yazan, let's get back to the subject of real estate. How did you develop your interest in real estate specifically?
1: Real estate specifically. Well, first of all, first of all, I looked at it in the form of I can't do this nine to five life. Honestly, the first time I figured that out was when I woke up from my first nine to five shift. I woke up at 730 in the morning. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not a morning person. This is horrible. I cannot do this for another 40 years. That's literally when it clicked to me that, okay, I can't do this nine to five life. I want to invest in assets that make money for me when I'm sleeping. So hopefully I can switch to real estate full time and then not have to do a nine to five ever again. You know, I just want to retire early and be financially independent. So I knew that I wanted to get assets that will make cash for me. It was just a matter of time till I figured out what type of asset I wanted. And um, after research, after reading books, after studying, after listening and gaining information, I just realized that uh, real estate was the asset I wanted to get because it just works out really perfectly in terms of what I'm looking for. What the asset I'm looking for in terms of real estate is you buy a house and then you get cash flow over time as well as appreciation of uh, the value of the house so that 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 i just found really interesting and i was like okay i want to do real estate that's that's what i want to do even in my opinion i think real estate is a really good investment avenue
0: because ultimately it's a really good source of passive income wherein you're not actually actively involved but once you have bought and rented the apartments and you keep getting the cash inflows and i think it's a really good way to build a sustainable wealth over a longer period of time
1: Oh my god, 100%. I agree. It's just an eye-opening stat uh, that I that I came across that 90% of millionaires own real estate. Whether they became rich through real estate or their own business or whatever, 90% of millionaires own real estate. That's a really eye-opening statistic for me that open your eyes people, this is how you make your money. This is a really really good asset to hold and for the long run, just hold real estate. 90% of millionaires do it, you should be doing it too. Well that's actually true man like one time or the other
0: the stock market is gonna crash or the cryptocurrency market is going to crash or the debt market is going to crash but ultimately you need to diversify your portfolio and that is how you can do with investing some amount in real estate some amount in a debt fund some amount in the stock market and that will help you to ultimately mitigate the risk that you have in the different investment avenues. 100% 100%
1: agree.
0: Absolutely so Yuzan, how long has it been that you have been learning about the real estate industry
1: well um like i mentioned when i first realized that i wanted to do real estate full-time i just started learning about it and doing as much as i can this was around i'd say two years ago a little less than two years ago um i i realized okay i want to get in this so i just started reading book after book podcast after podcast audiobook after audiobook whatever i can get my hands on information wise I just uh, I just jump to it. And also I, I do a lot of uh, forums. There's a, a, a place a website called Bigger Pockets. I really tell every real estate investor I come across for sign up on bigger Pockets. It's, well, it's the biggest real estate forum thread uh, like Reddit in the world. It's the biggest one. You can go in, you can ask your questions, you can do whatever you can and that's a lot of information that I gained from real estate was through that. So that's how I've been learning about it. And uh, I'd say it's been going on for around two years now.
0: Well, that's something new for me as well. I wasn't aware about this biggerpockets.com.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. Biggerpockets.com. I'm, I don't own it or anything. It's just, uh, it's not me for, not, not something for me to plug. It's just for me, uh, just, you know, helping out my fellow real estate investors. It's really, really helpful. Well, that's exactly the purpose of the podcast and okay
0: let's get to the next question so what do you think of the real estate industry as a whole and which countries do you think are better for real estate investment
1: you know what that's actually a really good question um really interesting because i personally if you were to ask me that question i personally would like to invest in real estate in first world countries like australia canada america england you know uh first large countries because You know they're stable their economy is good people are trustworthy you know just just simple it's just simple things right there but realistically every single human on earth needs a house every single country is going to have a real estate market whether they like it or not not every country has a stock market not every country has a forex market not every country has their own currency but every country has real estate and everyone needs a home that's why real estate is such a good investment in every single country every single continent wherever you are you buy a house, let people rent in it, uh, rent it, and then you get money. So that's, that's as simple as it is. I like to do it in first world countries just simply due to the variables I told you about earlier. But realistically, you could do real estate everywhere. And uh, wherever you can get your hands on some real estate, i advise it. Well, that's a fact that we really fail to recognize. And yeah, definitely then real estate has
0: to be present in each and every continent. Exactly. Well, seeing this enormous presence, what are the ways in which people can start investing in the real estate
1: industry? What are the ways in which someone can start real estate? I mean, first of all, first of all, um, I'd advise you to figure out if you really, really want to do it. So if you're just thinking about real estate as, okay, it's just a nice, it's asset, it's passive income, then you might have a bit of a skewed uh, uh, view of it because as as much as I'd like to say it's passive income, it's not really passive. That's because you're managing a house. You're talking to tenants. You're you're managing people that live in your investment. It's a lot of work to actually do, and then. If you're not really devoted to real estate, you're going to find yourself waking up at three in the morning and your tenant's calling you, hey, please fix my plumbing. Please do this. Please do that. It's a lot of headaches and there's a lot of sleepless nights that come with real estate. So the first thing I'd advise anyone who's trying to get into it is make sure you really, really want to get into it. I figured that out that I looked at the pros, I looked at the cons, and I wanted to get into it and I figured out my why. When you find your why, why you want to do this, that's your first step. Next I do is drill it down to a specific criteria. How do I want to get into real estate? What do I want to get? For me, I picked out between commercial and residential real estate investing. I've definitely picked residential real estate investing for many reasons and that's how I drilled down my criteria. And then from there, all you have to do is just read books, listen to podcasts, do what I've been doing, just get as much information as you can, devote like maybe an hour a day, just learn as much as you can about residential real estate. That's how I've been doing it and then hopefully just start uh, start doing you know put your actions uh, put your put your thoughts into actions
0: well that's actually spectacular having an objective and vision to get into real estate is really crucial because if you just yep. go for the sake of diversifying your portfolio but you're really not prepared for the upcoming responsibility like attending the midnight calls and solving the issue at hand So then you definitely need to step back and think before you putting your hand in it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, definitely it's a good source of passive income, but you need to think it through.
1: Yep, yep, you have to be devoted. I love what you said, man. You have to have the vision a lot before you actually jump into it. And that 100% applies to real estate. Like you can buy a stock and sell it tomorrow, not a big issue. You buy real estate, you're staying in for the long run. What people think about real estate is it's not get rich quick, It's get rich for sure and you do that by investing in the long run so yeah that's how real estate works and I advise everyone to get into it but you have to know what you're doing before you get into it have the vision like you said
0: absolutely so which way would you suggest a person who is very new to this industry and how can he use the property in a way that he earns
1: higher income on that so um that's a good good question I can give a really realistic tip I'd say for new first home buyers, I'd suggest a real estate strategy called house hacking. What this is, is this is pretty much buying a house for an investment, but you also live in it. So let's say you live in a single family home, it's one unit, you live in it and then you can rent out the other rooms. If you buy a duplex, you can also rent out the other unit. So it is still in a real estate investment in which you're getting rent, but you also live in it. One thing that uh, a really big advantage for that is that you would only have to put 5% down payment. So real estate industry standard is to put 20% uh, of a down payment right up front when you buy a house and not many people can afford that. That's why I tell you, I tell first, uh, first home buyers to do something called house hacking. You only need to put down 5% down payment. Also, it's a lot easier to manage if your tenant says, hey, I need to fix my plumbing at three in the morning well guess what you're already in the house you live with them so it's it's a lot easier to manage especially if uh, as opposed to you living like uh, two kilometers aside or living in another city you always want to be as close as possible to your uh, to your investment and what uh, how closer can you be if you actually live there so house hacking definitely a very very good way for people that are new to the industry uh very cheap down payment easier to manage and uh, it's kind of like a low risk low reward type of investment. And that's the perfect learning strategy for your first time home buying.
0: Wow man, like it house hacking really makes much more sense because like even in India, you'll see duplexes and bungalows in which People will actually start renting out one of the floors and then they start earning from the very first house because eventually if you are thinking of buying a house and then Uh you will again save money and again invest in another house in order to take rent. So I think it's going to take much more longer time in order to get returns out of your
1: investment. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's a very, very widely known as the best thing to do for uh, for first time real estate investors. That's the biggest tip I can give. Like... If you're struggling to get the cash, if you're struggling to get the mortgage or the agents or or just tenants in general, just get your friends. Instead of uh, renting in someone else's house, just buy a house yourself. If you have enough cash for it, you only need 5%. And then you buy a house, let them live in it and they pay you rent. And then boom, you have your first investment. Good job.
0: Well, everyone's waiting for that boom to happen. And yeah. So what is your thought about services like Airbnb and can a person make a living out of it?
1: That's, um, that's a really very actually interesting point because a lot of the real estate world, the world is shifting into Airbnb. A lot of real estate investors I know are coming up to me saying, Hey, why get a tenant that'll pay for 12 months when I can charge a person a month's fee for living only for two days in, 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 through Airbnb? Uh, the price would be a lot more, uh, more worthwhile for the investor. If he can get consistent Airbnb customers into the house. So I'll tell you from now Airbnb will make you a lot more money. If you get a house and instead of getting a 12 month lease to tenants, you can get Airbnb and you'd get a lot more money off that. The only thing, the only thing I'd say to watch out for is that it's a lot more riskier. It's a lot riskier than tenantship because tenants. You have a contract. Okay, my house is not vacant. My house is being occupied for twelve months, guaranteed. Airbnb, you're not sure about that at all. You have to get people on a day to day basis. People live here for a couple of days, then they move out. Okay, then you have to refit, re- refurnish the house, then people move in for another couple of days, then people move in for a week, and you have to you have to keep working on it. You get a lot more money, but it's a lot riskier because it's going to be vacant a lot more uh, percentage of the time. So I'd What I do is I start real estate normally, which was through tenants. But once you get a lot more experience and then you can actually handle the lack of cash that comes with vacancy. Once you get experience and you can handle that, I'd start dipping into Airbnb because you can make some serious, serious Airbnb gains, especially depending on what city you're in. If you're like New York, Miami, California, Toronto, Airbnb will go through like the prices are through the roof right now. You can literally make a lot of money and uh, actually, a lot of things people do is uh, rent their house for eight months and then Airbnb for four months. So that's also something people can try out. You know, you own the house, you can do whatever you want with it. And um, that's a really, really good way to make a lot of cash. But you really have to watch out. Airbnb is risky. That's what I want to point out before anyone just jumps into it. Even
0: I think that this idea of yours, wherein you rent for some time and you use Airbnb for some time is much more practical Mm -hmm. for cities, wherein there are a lot of tourists coming in and specifically in a certain season. And therefore these tourists are actually willing to pay higher prices due to the non-availability of a lot of options. So in order to capitalize on this scenario, one can have an Airbnb for like four months and a rental for eight months when the tourists are not coming. That's the best way to use your property efficiently.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Let the four months be the summer. Rent it for eight months during the fall and the winter, and then summer, where where the vacations are booming. You put you put an Airbnb, and then boom, you can make so much money. You can literally make four months of rent from. From like 10 visits 10 airbnb visits you'll make four months of rent easy and then you can continue you have a lot more time to get more airbnb money but again it might be vacant you will have four months of vacancy so if your house is vacant and you don't get any airbnb uh customers then you lost four months of vacancy so you have to watch out it's risky
0: Definitely, there's a risk attached to every investment, but it is a strong factor to be considered. Exactly. And so that was about the leisure rental, and let's talk about the office rental space. So, what do you think about companies like WeWork who have office rental business?
1: My take on rental uh, renting offices. That's interesting. So this side of uh, real estate is known as commercial real estate, as opposed to residential real estate. I'll just give an explanation for the people that aren't aware. Residential real estate is when you buy a house and you let people live in it like normal tenants. That's their residence. That's residential real estate. But when you want to talk about office rentals and buying a factory, for example, buying, buying things that you let a business move into as opposed to tenants like normal humans, then that's known as commercial real estate investing. That avenue is very interesting and can make a lot more money, but it's a lot more complex and What's my take on it is that I, I haven't decided on exploring commercial real estate investing yet. It's uh, very, very, very interesting. You can make a lot more cash with uh, commercial real estate investing, but it's a lot more risky. Honestly, for the exact same reasons, as the Airbnb, but multiplied by 10. Because you can have, uh, uh, you can have a real estate, uh, let's say a small shop, and then you let uh, a company work in it. And you can be good for, for 20 years. But then that shop, for example, all all of a sudden just goes bankrupt and then uh, your your space is vacant again. And then who knows how long it'll be vacant for. And uh, if you don't have enough cash to uh, let it hold, if you don't have enough cash to hold it uh, for the times that it's vacant, then you can be running into serious problems. So I wouldn't start out with uh, real estate uh, commercially, but maybe when you have a lot more experience, you can start managing your risk. So uh, yeah, definitely it's a lot more uh, cash flowing, but it's a lot more risky and uh, I'd definitely do it if I have more experience. Definitely not the first real estate venture I'd jump into.
0: Exactly, because most of the time in the commercial real estate industry, uh, you'll be mortgaging the property and incurring some fixed monthly expenses towards the property. And if it gets vacant, then meeting that fixed monthly expense becomes a difficult task to handle
1: exactly exactly for example i know uh, i know my friend he actually owns uh, uh, a a small shop which is part of a big mall and uh that's been going great for him because he has a certain uh business working in that shop and uh he makes consistent cash flows more than he would be making if that shop was as a residential form of real estate he's making more money but the second that shop moves out for any reason, you're going to have to work with vacancy and a lot of vacancy because who knows when the next time a business is going to move into your shop. It could be, it could be months, it could be years, it could be, it could be five years. And if you don't have enough cash to hold the mortgage payment when there's no cash flow coming in, then you could be running into some serious trouble. So definitely do that. I'd advise to jump into commercial real estate once you have enough cash to do it and you know what you're doing.
0: Absolutely so how can a person make good amount of money if he has ample amount of capital to fund the property on his own
1: mm-hmm. so so that's really interesting so uh it really depends on what type of investment you want to make how do you want your cash to flow for me i like i like cash flow i like passive income coming into my uh, coming into my bank account with me doing Quote unquote nothing again, you have to manage your your real estate, but realistically, you're not actually going to work or doing anything. It's cash flow. That's I like cash flow. So if I had that ample amount of money and I want to make a real estate investment, I'd invest in a rental, a rental property. That's great way of making use of residential real estate property. You get a house. Let people live in it and they pay you on a month to month basis. You don't do much work. You can get, for example, a property manager in which you'll have to do zero work, but you're going to get passive income into your bank account, into your bank account month after month after month. That's how I'd invest a good amount of my money into a real estate investment. But but at the same time, if you actually don't have enough money, but you're still looking into real estate and you want to get into real estate, Don't worry about it. There's so many different types of real estate investments. You can even do so with $500. How are you going to do with $500? You can invest in something called a REIT. R-E-I-T. Real Estate Investment Trust. This is pretty much a fund of many other like-minded real estate investors but that don't have much cash on them. They can just pull in money to one big fund and then that one big fund can buy one real estate rental property. So you can be a part owner of a big rental uh, residential real estate uh, house and uh, you didn't have to have $20,000 uh, to put in at the beginning. You just had $500, you put it into a real estate investment trust and then you'll get the same per- percentage of returns into your, into your bank account. The only problem is you're not going to actually own, uh, you're not going to have sole ownership of the house so you can't manage it yourself you can't, uh, you can't put your own rules, you can't do what you want with it, you can't sell it at your own price. You'll just be part of this fund. But it's great if you don't have enough money, but you still want to get into the real estate game. Uh, real estate investment trusts are a really good way to do it. But if you do have enough money, like $20,000, $30,000, you've been saving for a while, I'd jump into a rental property. And uh, I'd say that's the best way to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. But not everyone has the money to buy a property. Mm-hmm. So what are the different sources available in order to buy your first property?
1: Hmm, what are the different sources available? Honestly, that's uh that's a good question. So, one thing that I would like to mention, I'm glad you you pointed out was is something called creative financing. This is something that's not really looked at. A lot of people look at real uh, real estate as uh, as a very fixed game, you know, okay, I'll get a mortgage, I'll get a house, I'll let people live in the house and I get money. But there's many, many ways you could different do that. There's so many different ways you could do it in a way that you can buy a whole rental real estate property with zero money down. Can you believe that? Absolutely not. You put zero money down. You don't put a single dollar into the house, but you could still buy a house. How do you do that? Well, that's creative financing. So you can get, for example, uh, my uh, uh, a mentor, a mentor that I look up to how he got his first real estate investment. He was broke at the time. He didn't have any cash, but he still wanted to invest in real estate. What he did was he learned as much as possible what he did. He learned, he, he read some books, he listened to some podcasts, he did what he could. Then he found a deal all by himself. He found the deal. He, he knew the information about it. He went to someone with money and he said, listen, I'll own this house 50%. You own this house 50%. You put in the money. I'll put in the real estate experience. I'll put the expertise. I found the deal. I'll manage the property. You don't have to do a single thing. You don't have to lift a finger. You just have to put in the cash. I'll put in the the effort, and that's how he got his first rental property. He got fifty percent of equity, and he didn't uh, he didn't have to put a single dollar into the deal. He just put all of the all of the effort into it, and um, that worked out great. So, so you, you, creative financing is a really good avenue. There's a lot of books out there on creative financing. I'd read it if you don't have enough money, but you still want to get into real estate. Creative financing is a really good way to go. Otherwise, if you really want to do it, the simple version, the, the simple answer I can give you is just save and save and save. Real estate is expensive and it's always going to be expensive. It's a big asset that you're buying one asset at a time. And the best way to do that is just save. Literally, once you once you get your paycheck, save half of it, Invest some of it and just leave it aside and just wait for a, a good deal to come through. That's the best way I could do it.
0: Exactly, I totally agree. Like saving is the best method. Like you need to do that. But as far as creative financing is concerned, I do agree by the method. But most of the people who would be putting in their own money, they will hesitate uh, whether they should be going with this kind of ownership. But yeah, the saving option, it's a global method. You need to save, 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 and you can then accumulate the amount of money that is required.
1: Exactly, man. It's exactly like it's, uh, that's the name of the game at the end of the day. You're just going to have to get a lot of cash to put in a, to put in a, to put in a proper down payment. And uh, that's just how it is. Real estate's a long-term game. You just have to, it'll, it might take you a couple years to, to get enough money for a down payment. But don't worry, you'll, you'll buy this property once and then, 10 years down the line, you'll be thanking yourself that you ever did that because you're going to have a whole house to yourself. You're going to have a whole more, your your mortgage could possibly be already paid down. And then once you actually want to sell it, once you actually want to sell it, it'll be worth another, 20% 20% extra or something or it or gains uh, real estate generally appreciates at 3% per year depending on what market you're in But generally appreciate 3% per year So once you do actually have your mortgage fully paid then and you have 100% equity of the house By the time you want to sell it. It's worth a lot a lot more. So that's another wealth generator of real estate. That's huge
0: I agree. It's capital appreciation that takes the game up a notch so the next question is, what is the subletting business and do you think it makes sense to rent a property that you yourself have taken on rent?
1: Um, good question. I'd say no. I'd say no. Um, the way I look at subletting is uh, like in the real world, it's not really a business. The subletting that I know is kind of like a plan B when you rent a house but you're not actually getting to live in the house. So let's say I uh, I start a 12-month lease uh, for the summer. I start in the summer, but I'm moving back home to my family so I won't be there in my house that I'm renting for four months. What you could do then is sublet and uh, let people into your house and then they pay part of the rent or they pay rent or they could pay more rent in the in which you'd be making money. But when you're subletting, it's a lot harder to make people pay an amount that's more than your rent because generally there's a lot of sublets out there. There's a lot of supply and there's very little demand for sublets. So uh, I wouldn't make a business out of it. Honestly, if anything, if I'm paying, for example, $500 a month and I can actually be in the house itself, I'd sublet someone. Hey, be in my uh, sublet this house for $300 a month. And then I'd only have to pay $200 off rent. So it's a good way to offset my rent if I'm not able to live in the house, but I wouldn't make a business out of it because usually there's a lot of supply and very low demand. Also
0: in the subletting business, the main disadvantage is that whenever you get into real estate, you tend to have like 2% income as in the form of rent and around five to 6% in the form of capital appreciation. Exactly. And when you're doing subletting, you don't actually get that capital appreciation as well as the rent aspect since you are yourself paying rent so you don't even make that two percent exactly 100% great way to put
1: it great way to put it
0: yeah and what is the usual percentage of down payment required to fund a property
1: hmm usual percentage of down payment. so it's an industry standard in real estate to put 20% down 20% down for a 30-year mortgage is is usually usually most of the real estate uh, transactions that you see most mortgages are 20% down but different situations can get different loan amounts so interest rates really depend on how much the business, the bank thinks you need the cash if if I need the cash a lot more then the bank is gonna give me a lot bigger interest rate if I don't need the cash at all then I'll get a low interest rate for example Bill Gates would get a real estate uh, uh, um, bill gates would get a real estate uh, uh, amount of interest rate of 0% for example that's just an example a way to think of it the less you need the cash the lower your interest rates going to be in terms of the actual down payment it's usually 20% but again if you do house hack you only have to put down as little as 5% so different situations get different amounts but usually it's
0: 20% so that was about the down payment percentage and what are the factors to check before investing in a real estate property
1: Hmm. What are the factors? That's a, that's a good question. So criteria is actually everything you have to figure out what you want to get before you get it. And um, I haven't really thought of this question, but I can give you two really good ways to think about it. First of all, you'd have to look at it in the terms of uh, in the point of view of an investor. So if I'm gonna invest in a real estate property, I'd look at the following variables: location, 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 huge. Then I'd look at the price. I'd look at the future value depending on if this neighborhood is appreciating. I'd look at criteria, whether it's a single single family home or a duplex or a triplex, and I'd look at the neighborhood. That's the variables I'd look at if I'm a real estate investor. From the investor point of view, I'd look at location, price, future value, and criteria, and neighborhood. That's the first method. Exactly, that makes sense. Exactly, So, so that's the first method I'd look at it. The second method I'd look at it is look at in the point of view as a tenant. First, you look at the point of view of as an investor. Now you want to look at the point of view of your tenant. First, you want to know what tenant you're aiming for. You're either aiming for, let's say, if it's next to university, then you're obviously aiming for students. If you're in the suburbs in the downtown, or not downtown, sorry. If you're in the suburbs of Ottawa, for example, you're obviously aiming for families. So you want to know what type of tenant you're looking at. And then you want to look at the point of view of your tenant. What do I what what do I want to look at when I'm buying a real estate home to live in? That's what the tenants thinking of. So let's say I'm buying for a family and I'm living uh, and I'm, uh, they want to buy a house in suburban Ottawa, for example. So they want to look at uh, they also want to look at the location. They want to look at if there are schools nearby. They want to look at if there is safe, uh, safe driving. So they want to look at if there's a lot of uh, if they want to see that there's a low criminal rate in that neighborhood. They want to look at the safety of their kids. They want to look if there's a close grocery store around. So you look at the point of view of the tenant. And if you're in this neighborhood and go like, okay, this neighborhood has a has a school. This neighborhood has a grocery store. There's zero crime right here. There's safe driving. There's a good location. There's restaurants up and coming nearby. I would want to live here. So I'm sure a family would also want to live here too. That's how I know it's a good real estate uh, Property because I'm looking at the point of view of a tenant as well as an investor
0: You really summed up some of the most important factors definitely the location plays a major role and The area which has a restaurant a school and then there's the zero crime rate Then people will definitely want to invest in that sort of a property
1: Exactly 100% because in the end of the day this house that you're buying is not just your investment property But more importantly, it's someone's house it's where where a group of people are going to be living. So you really have to look at how livable is this house and this location in this neighborhood as a whole. It can Would I want to be living in there? If I wouldn't want to live in there, then I wouldn't rent it out. That, as simple as that. I wouldn't sell something I don't believe in. If I wouldn't want to live in that house or neighborhood, then I wouldn't be selling it and I wouldn't be buying it in the first place.
0: Absolutely. the fa- Those factors are actually going to impact your buying decision. So let's get to the ROI thing. So how much returns can you expect in short term as well as long term?
1: That's great, man. It, it, it's about time where we have to start talking numbers so people can actually look at this investment. Okay. What's my ROI? What's my return on investment? What am I expecting? So really good question uh, to, to bring it to the numbers point of view. And you asked about short term and long term. Let me just tell you in the very simple term, there is no looking at the short term you buy real estate. You're not, you're not looking at the short, short term at all. Mi- minimum, you're looking at the medium term and the long term. Because as I said, real estate is not get, get rich quick, it's get rich for sure. And it's only assured because it's a long-term gain. So, so I can't even give you a number for the short term because if I do, then that would just be inaccurate. There is no money you should be looking at in the short term. But if you're looking at in the medium term, let's say I own this house and it's been three to five years now that's around medium term you can make depending on the city you're living in i could say you can make a good seven percent return in the medium term so you'd be making in those three to five years you'd be making cash flow you'd be making uh your equity build up so you're building up your equity as you pay down your loan so that's increasing your net worth you're also increasing um your tax benefits tax benefits are a big thing in terms of real estate and um Tax benefits a very very interesting point of view when it comes to money generate money generation in real estate and uh, Those are the money that you'll be looking at making in the medium term around seven percent in the long term As you said in the long term that's that's when it gets a lot more interesting so I give it around 15 percent in the long term because usually the market in the stock market and SP 500 could get around 8 to 10 percent in the past 10 years 8 to 10 percent annually I'd say real estate can do 15%, because again, um, you're doing a, you have a lot more wealth generating factors in real estate than you, as you do to the stock market, because you can make the same returns, same returns as a stock market in the long run. You can make 10% in the long run, inter, with your cash flow, with your equity buildup, and your tax benefits. That will get you around 10%. But when you actually want to come and sell the house, then boom, you're gonna sell it for, like. 20 to 30% extra than what you bought it at. You bought it a hundred, hundred thousand dollars 10 years ago. Now you're going to sell it for 120 to $130,000. So that's going to give you an extra 5% return on your equity, giving you a total of 15% in the long run. Those are all estimations and it really depends on what city you're living in. But if I had to give you a good uh, re- result for a number so you could start working with something medium term, 7% long term, 15%.
0: Absolutely. Because, even if pointing out towards the risk, the stock market also, when we invest in certain company, so those companies might not perform and eventually get delisted. So, so you actually end up losing all of your money. But in the real estate, you at least have your property with you, even in the down market.
1: Exactly. 100%. You're there and then um, you could be making some serious, serious gains if you actually hold on to the property for, for 10 plus years. Serious gains.
0: I totally agree with you, but since you told that there's no short term in the real estate market, so what about the house flipping aspect, wherein people buy a property, repair it, and then sell it for a higher price? Does it make sense to do house flipping?
1: That's a great question. I'm actually really good that you pointed that out because I've been talking a lot about rentals and cash flow, because that's usually how my uh, strategy uh, is and how I prefer my strategy to be, but. It's a different way your money moves. So the way my money moves in a rental property, for example, is I put money into a house, I get cash flow monthly, and then after ten years or so, I'd sell the house and get a big chunk of cash back. That's how, that's the movement of my money. House flipping is completely different movement of money. What house flipping is for again for the people that aren't aware, uh, for new audiences, house flipping is is a form of investment, a strategy that's called fix and flips. What you do is you buy a house that's undervalued or maybe a little ugly, maybe a little smelly, maybe it has a little bit of problems with it. Then you fix it up. What you do, you buy the house, then you fix it up and you you put a lot of money into renovations. You get new carpets, you get new new chandeliers, you fix it up, you get new sinks, you redo the bathroom, you you put in a door, you fix it up and you it, you force the value of the house higher you f- it's called forced depreciation. when you force the value a lot higher and then you sell it immediately so you're not going to hold any of the equity because you're going to sell the house immediately after but this strategy is norman's known as fix and flips you buy a house for a hundred thousand f- you put in 50 you put in ten thousand dollars into renovations and then you sell it for a hundred fifty thousand dollars for a forty thousand dollar profit for example these are just uh, numbers. I'm just giving as, uh, as an example, but that's how your money moves. You buy a house, you put some renovations into it, and then you sell it for a lot higher. That's how it works. This is the type of strategy I'd advise if you don't want to hold the equity. In a rental property, you do hold the equity and you hold it for 10 plus years. This, in this fix and flips, you don't hold the equity. You, you buy it, you fix it, you sell it immediately. And... Uh, the second thing you're gonna want to do if you have uh, if you want to do fix and flips, you need to have the experience. You need to you need to be familiar with the contracting business. You need to be familiar with construction. You need to be familiar with uh, with uh, how many nails this door needs. You're gonna need to know how how many how I'm gonna need to apply this window. I'm gonna need to know how how big this roof's gonna be. You need to know a lot about construction, and you need to have a good contractor by your side every step of the way. That's how fix and flips works. Because if you don't have enough experience, don't do it. Only when you have maybe five uh, five houses, rent, five rentals, or you've been in the real estate game for, for seven years, for example, then I'd get into fix and flips. They're a really good way to make a lot of cash in, in one go. Rentals do it over time. Fix and flips do a lot of cash in one go, but it's a lot of headaches, a lot of sleepless nights, and a lot of experience needed. Time, effort, and experience. Those are your main three you're going to need for house uh, for, for house flipping.
0: Exactly. Because in fix and flips, most of the time that you will be buying a property, you might not be able to observe that there is a problem that needs a lot of cash to be put in in order to renovate it. And once you have bought it, you can't do anything about it. And you end up actually losing the amount of money that you made to purchase that house. So definitely experience plays a major role in selecting which property can be sold for a higher price and identifying what are the problems that exist in that property.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm exactly you really have to know what you're doing when you're jumping in that
0: absolutely so what percentage of your personal income should you invest in real estate
1: what personal income well I'll give you a very general point of view let's say you get a thousand dollars a month you get your income a thousand dollars a month now this 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 mindset it's not even a strategy this is a mindset the mindset that I'd I'd do varies from person to person, but I'll give it to you in a general form. Let's say the average Joe gets $1,000 a month. The first thing I'd advise him is to remove all their debts, whether it's a student loan, whether they're paying down for a car, whether they're paying down for a mortgage, whatever they're doing, remove your debt. Find find a way to remove all your debt, and then then we could talk saving and investing. After you remove all your debt, let's look at your $1,000 per month. What I do is, first of all, take half of it and put it aside. You take half the $500, put it aside, don't touch it, put it into an interest rate earning savings account. Then, take a quarter, $250, and then start investing in it. Whatever type of investment you're comfortable with, whether it's the stock market, whether it's into a REIT, whether it's into Forex, whatever you want to do, learn a form of investment and then start applying to it. Put two fifty dollars of your thousand a quarter into any form of investment. Save half of it, and then work with the last quarter and for for your expenses, for your grocery bills, for your rent. Pay that with a quarter of your rent, if possible. Pay those first, and then whatever you have spare, save half, invest quarter. That's how I that's how I do it, and then that's how you know that your investment money on your savings. Uh, account is always 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 growing you should always be contributing to your savings account and your investing account always be uh growing those and that's how over time you'll find yourself that you'll have oh five years on the road. yeah i have enough money to buy my next real estate property i have enough money to buy 10 sta- 10 shares of amazon i have enough money to do this to do that you should always be either saving or investment uh, or, or investing because that's how you do it if you turn if you want to talk in terms of ratio save 50, invest 50, and then, uh, sorry, save 50, invest 25, and then last 25, just put into your needs and wants. That's how I do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's actually a great advice for the audience because usually people have all sorts of debt, such as a car loan, credit card, student loan, and on top of that, a house loan that actually puts a lot of financial pressure and you actually end up falling into the debt trap so in order to avoid such a situation you need to first pay off all your debt and then you can start investing in real estate
1: exactly 100% 100% also if you have all these debts and you get a mortgage first of all three things first of all you're not even going to get a mortgage if you have a lot of other loans it's it's not looking good you're not going to get a mortgage second thing even if you do get a mortgage you'll be in a very, like you said, you'll be in a very pressured situation. Now you're gonna have to pay down all your loans and if you miss a single payment for any one of your loans, the bank's gonna be after you. The bank's gonna start talking to you, they're gonna start putting up very high interest rates, they're gonna be watching you and your credit score is gonna take a very big hit. So figure out all your debt first and then start working on your mortgages. Definitely, definitely make sure you have that covered because if you you, you really don't wanna fall in the debt trap because that can really hurt you for many, many, many years. And you, the second your credit score takes a hit, you should be protecting that like you protect your child. You the second your uh, your credit score takes a hit, no banks will ever be looking at you for another for another couple years. You really want to be uh, protecting you that at all costs. So never miss a single credit payment. Never single single uh, car payment. Never single uh, never miss a single student house payment. Work on all your loans first.
0: Exactly, I totally agree. And for the audience to know, there is actually a 28-36 rule that is a global standard wherein 28% of your gross monthly income can be used towards payment of your house mortgage and remaining 8% of the 36 can be used towards payment of other kind of debts that is a car loan, a student loan, etc. However, If you already have exhausted your 36% of your debt-paying capacity from your gross monthly income towards, suppose, a student loan, then it becomes difficult to obtain any further mortgage or a loan.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. Exactly. Everyone should know this. Absolutely. So, is there a
0: way wherein the capital is protected even in a down market? That is, a way wherein the property can be sold with ease.
1: That's a very, very, very important question for you to ask. And I really thank you for asking me that. I'll give you a simple answer in that question. The answer comes in the form of good news and bad news. The bad news is real estate is very illiquid. Liquidity is how fast you can turn an asset into cash and real estate is very illiquid, meaning you cannot sell a house tomorrow. You have a house and you really need some cash today. You cannot sell your house tomorrow for the price you want. If you're in a hurry to sell a real estate house, then you're gonna be looking at selling it for a 30% discount, which no one wants to do. No one wants to sell their house for a very big discount. But if you wanna sell it tomorrow, then you're gonna to have to give a 30% discount or so because real estate is very illiquid. You cannot sell a property tomorrow. That's the bad news that it's very hard to turn into cash at a very quick point of time. But, but the good news is, the good news is, If you buy right and you hold a rental property, then you have something known as holding power. As long as you buy a rental property that pays all of your expenses and your mortgage and gets a cash flow per month, a monthly cash flow, then you have something called as holding power. This means you can hold it infinitely. You're never going to be in a rush to sell a cash flowing rental property because it's making you money. It's making you money month after month so you never are going to be in a point where okay i have to my back's against the wall and i have to sell this house you're never going to be in that situation because your your house is consistently getting you cash so you theoretically be able to hold this house infinitely until you sell it at the price that you do want so if i have a house worth a hundred thousand dollars let's say we're in a COVID situation right now that you mentioned and we're in a down market that happens all the time economies down market every every it's a it's a it's part of the cycle so let's say we're in a situation that we are in today i buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars and we're in a down market so if this was a house that i wanted to sell immediately like a fix and flip then i'm in a very bad situation because i'm gonna have to sell this house as soon as possible and I can't do that if if I can't sell the house at the price that I want I can't be selling at this house I bought it for a hundred thousand I can't be selling this house for 120 because we're in a down market so I'm in a bad situation and I'm probably gonna be ending up selling my house for let's say $90,000 $80,000 so I'm gonna be losing money on that transaction because I don't have holding power and I'm in a down market but let's say I buy this $100,000 house and I buy right in form that it's a cash flow rental property. So I buy it for $100,000, the rent is $1,000, let's say at 1%, $1,000 a month, and my mortgage and all of my expenses in total add up to a total of 650. So that means I'm making $350 every month after month after month, 350, 350, 350. My back is never gonna be against the wall. I'm never gonna be forced to sell it tomorrow. I can literally wait until this down, uh, this down market is over and then I could sell this house for 120000 150000 I can make a big, big cash simply because I have the option to wait. To wait it out because I have holding power. That's the beauty of rental markets. That's the beauty of cash flowing properties. I'm never going to be forced in a position to sell my house tomorrow. I'll have the holding power to sell it later on for the price that I do want
0: exactly that's a really big advantage over the fix and flip method because in rental real estate you are getting a cash flow regularly and then you are able to survive on that and you don't need to sell the property until you get the right price for it but in terms of fix and flip once you have invested your money but you are not getting the right price for it then you are in a big problem because in that case you don't have a rental income inflow and a huge capital is blocked in it so definitely the rental business in real estate sounds much more lucrative and safer
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly
0: all right so let's get to the last question what are the hidden charges that you should consider when getting into real estate investing
1: wow that's uh, that's a good question that's a good question the interesting thing about real estate investing Is that you are the middleman I as a real estate investor am the middleman of my team what do I mean by that is every good real estate investor needs a team around him what is your team my team is going to be my agent it's going to be my lawyer I'm also going to need a contractor I'm going to need an accountant I'm gonna need an electrician to look through my wires I'm gonna need all of those people around me so I can gather all of them and then buy a house a house is going to need an agent that represents you when you buy it. You're going to need a lawyer so that he can, he can help you fill out all the paperwork. You're going to need a contractor, especially if you're doing fix and flips, to, to renovate, to do minor adjustments here, to do major adjustments there. You're going to need a contractor. You're if Once you have many houses, you're going to need an accountant to help you do your taxes. You're going to need to save a lot of your ta- taxes by, uh, by hiring a professional accountant like a CPA. Once you have a lot of houses and you're looking at... Uh, Wiring and you're looking at plumbing and all of that. You're gonna need an electrician. You're gonna need a plumber You're gonna need to gather all of those people through networking and those are your hidden charges because I'm not gonna buy this house All by myself. I'm gonna need to hire an agent I'm gonna need to hire a lawyer contractor accountant electrician plumber I'm gonna need to hire all those people and I'm gonna have to pay each and every single one of those and Those these people in my team that I've gathered as an investor will help me buy my house and they're gonna get me my equity So, so what are the hidden charges when I get into real estate investing? Well, you're not going to get this house alone, buddy. You're going to have to get a agent, lawyer, contractor, accountant, electrician, plumber. You're going to need to establish your whole team through networking. And uh, then you're gonna have to pay every single one of those people. And then you're going to get your house. You're going to get your equity. And that's uh, the beauty of real estate investing. I'm the middleman. I'm the guy that gathers my team and my team will help me get me my equity.
0: Great Yazan, you really explained it quite well. The agents, the lawyer, accountant, plumber, electrician, all these are the hidden costs which we usually forget to associate with the real estate industry. So yeah, all the audience needs to keep this in mind. Great job explaining, man. Thank you, man, thank you. So thank you so much for joining us Yaz. It was really a great experience with you and you really gave very good insights about the real estate industry. And I think the audience is really gonna love to hear all this information from you. And this is certainly going to help a lot of people to start investing in real estate. Thank you so much for being a part of this.
1: Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you so much. This was a, this was a really good way to spread awareness of real estate. Uh, I'm just you know helping out people that I could. Uh, I really like your business podcasts. And uh, if anyone ever wants to know more about real estate investing, just follow at property father that's where i put daily real estate investment advice for anyone that's uh, trying to tune in and just you know trying to learn more at property father that's me catch me anytime thank you so much for having me on this podcast man it was great
0: so that was an amazing conversation and i hope you guys are taking some new learning from this thanks a ton to all the people who tuned into rdhm finance podcast i assure you just your interest in learning through podcast is a sign that you are willing and have the potential to grow your wealth. See you in the next episode of RDHM Finance Podcast. Till then, take care and happy investing.